You're going to see a lot of like, haha, when they said class, they meant go to school. When I said class, I meant what am I going to do to span? I don't know. I'm trying to use some programmer humor that I don't understand. But uh, <laughs> uh, that was humorous. All right. Just not for the programmers. <laughs> And welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. I am Michael Lockie, and today's topic is Security 101. For this episode, I'll be joined by our security expert and life hacker extraordinaire, Brent Philbin. Hey, well, I just woke up, so I don't know how experty I'm going to be. Dragon. <laughs> well, it's time to unleash the dragon, if you know what I mean. And uh, a quick reminder for those who are new to the podcast this is part of our 101 series, and our 101 series can be listened to in any order at any time, so please give them a download, and let's get started on this episode, shall we, Brent? Okay, let's do this. All right, so this episode's going to be slightly different, but mostly we're just going to try to chug through some topics on what security is overall. There's going to be a little bit of privacy mixed in because they overlap a little bit, but it's mostly just going to be taking care of the necessary steps to make sure that you're as safe as you can be. And why don't we get started with a little bit on passwords? Okay. So I figured I would, I would give us a little primer about passwords. Now we're going to talk a lot about security and how you need to protect yourself, especially in this space, because there is a lot that can happen. A lot of ways people can attack you, but this is, this is just overall life advice right here. We need to talk about passwords there are going to be listeners that are listening right now that that use the same password for everything that is a really 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 bad idea you need to stop that um, you cannot have the same password for everything even if it's cool and secure you can't do it uh, what this means is that uh, if a hacker gets one of your passwords on one of the sites that you like didn't care to protect or it was re it, the site was bad and they had they got uh, they were storing their passwords improperly then now they have access to everything that you do so just a quick mention though on top of everything else you just described you have to be aware that there could also be inside jobs as well yeah like okay so here's something that's really happened i've gotten emails from websites saying oh you want to reset your password here's your password they send me my password in an email. That is insane. Like, you know, that that means they're storing it in a database somewhere and they have access to it. And yeah, if, I've seen that too. And I remember every time I've just been like, whoa. It's just like no, massive cringe. And they think, oh, it's not a big deal. We're just like some little forum. Like th there's no financial information. It's, they're just, it's not worth us putting the security on there. But the thing is, because most people do this and they they have the same password for everything because they want to remember it. Now they can get attacked in this way. And there, and then once you've gotten your password, they start trying other things that they know are associated with you. How do they know they're associated with you? Well, you can go buy the stuff associated with you online somewhere. So it's kind of crazy. So what's an example of a really bad password? Well, how about Kareem, but you change the I to a one and you put an exclamation point at the end. Yeah, I mean, if you capitalize the K, you cover all of your bases for the most part. Yeah, you that is a six-digit password that covers the capital letter, which all the websites are going to want you to have, the number, which they're going to want you to have, and the special character, which some will want you to have. and and Which you, you should think, always have. Yeah, well, it adds some entropy. But this password does not have a lot of entropy. Now, the word entropy means how many tries kind of you would need to i should have probably pulled up the definition but uh how difficult it is to guess the password and how many bits of information you would need to figure out before you right could get so it. one of the things that i was thinking already during one of your monologues was basically like if you think of your passwords as like a sha 256 code that hackers are probably trying to guess at some point now obviously our passwords don't exist in block time so you know they can attempt it as obviously there's certain websites that restrict it or alert you but there's a lot of people that are probably trying to attack you and they're doing it in secure ways mm -hmm. and 
you know, let, let's examine just a letter of the alphabet, just a lowercase letter of the alphabet. Has, there's 26 different combinations, right? So even a random three letters of the alphabet that you didn't like have any like K, B, W. I don't actually those weren't random because we're really bad at coming up with random. But let's say that that has more entropy than the Kareem password that I just gave you. And why is that? Well, the Kareem password that I gave is a permutation of a standard password that somebody would do. So when you think of standard passwords, you think of password, password one, two, three, et cetera. And one of the things that a hacker will try is they will try, if they know they're hacking Kareem Baruke, they're going to try his name first. They're going to try Kareem. They're going to try Kareem one, two, three. They're going to try Kareem with a capital K, Kareem with a capital K one, two, three. They're going to replace the I with a one because that's very common. And then they're going to try that with one, two, three, with one, et cetera. And really, are there 26 combinations there? Maybe. But there is certainly not three separate 26 combinations there. Like Kareem, one, Kareem with the one and the exclamation point is within the first few passwords that a hacker is going to try. So you cannot, you cannot have a password like that because it'll... It, it'll be cracked very, very easily. I, I'm just going to reiterate that every single site matters. If you used one of these crappy passwords on a random crappy site back in the day, even if you have, let, let's say the the 20 sites that you forgot about that you had passwords for, you use the same password that was crappy and it, get, and it gets hacked. Now the hacker can start to build a personal profile of you. They can find your addresses. They can find different things associated with you and your account. And begin to build this profile such that they can hack your other sites easier. They know all the previous emails you've had, that kind of thing. So especially with a site with less with less security, maybe they can go in and find what your security questions are. They can find the answer to, you know, who was your best friend in high school, that kind of thing. And and really start to find a way to attack you. So what's the best way to generate a password? For a long time, there has been this uh, webcomic out there. Now, we're going to link to it in the in the description and in the show notes. But this, what this shows is the how difficult a password gets when you just have words that don't have anything to do with each other. So it shows you that like even a hard password, like one of those ones that a site will give you by default that are really hard to learn and memorize doesn't have as much entropy as four random words from the English language that are uh, unrelated, that are actually random. So, like, it's hard for a, a human to come up with these random words because we'll make associations in our mind and think they're random and they're not completely random, and that would lower it. But the XKCD put this out in, like, 2012, but the end result is they said through 20 years of effort, we've successfully trained everyone to use passwords that are hard for humans to remember but easy for computers to guess. Right. Yeah, I pulled up the webcomic right here. And, you know, what I'm taking out of this is just basically that, you know, the example that it gives is a pretty difficult password for a human to guess, but it's only two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven characters long. And they're saying with the with this combination, it includes caps, it has common substitutions, it has numeral, it has punctuation, and we're still looking at it take three days to guess this password at a thousand guesses per second. Yeah. And three days is not, I mean, I don't know how easy it is for hackers to come up with a thousand guesses per second, but I'm guessing it's all computer generated and pretty easy. And Significantly easier today than it was when this comic was written, because this is again, like 2012, I think. So this is a long time ago, but um, the, the end result and, and what I've done actually is I went and looked up whether this is still, relevant because this is old and I wanted to make sure this is still a good way of generating your passwords. Um, it is because when they did this math, they assumed that the attacker knew that you were using four unrelated words when they came up with the math. So this is the hacker knows that there are four words that you've used at random. So they're guessing oh, they words. Even know that. Mm. So they even know this and it would still take them 550 years at the same 1000 guesses per second. So, if you're being targeted by a hacker, can they eventually get your information? Yeah, they could point a bunch of different Amazon Web Services instances at you 
and try to get that if that's the only way you protect yourself. But most hackers are just going to go for what's easy. They're going to pick off the low-hanging fruit and they're going to get a lot of it because if they're having to spend thousands of dollars, tons of Amazon Web Services and all this time cracking one of your passwords, they better hope that this password is the same for all of your sites. But it isn't because you're listening to us, right? So right. There, uh, there's a website in the description. It's called passfray.se. So it's passphrase, but they put the .se there. And what it does is it just generates four random words. Now, the trick that XKCD gives you is that you should make some sort of story that combines all these words in your head so it's easy to remember. So their words were correct horse battery staple. And it's got this guy with a little uh, bubble on his head saying it with a horse speaking to him saying that's a battery staple. And then he says, correct. And there's a little picture of a battery with a staple on it. So they created this like image in their mind to make this a real easy password for them to remember, but a very difficult password to guess. So I just used this thing to generate a random four words, and it says title, coffee, cross, needle. Uh, you can definitely come up with a way to picture that in your mind and remember that password, right? So that sure. is a really easy way to come up with a secure password. Uh, there are other easy way. There are other ways to come up with secure passwords, which we're going to talk about later in this uh, episode. But I just wanted to talk as like a password primer. There. Uh, finally, two-factor authentication is the most important thing that you can do. If you ask any hacker, you ask any white hat hacker, black hat hacker, it doesn't matter. How do you protect yourself? What's the most important thing you can do? They're going to tell you two-factor authentication. In fact, one of the best hackers in the world told yeah. the the Democratic uh, National Committee, I think, DNC, I think that's what it stands for. Uh, Korean would correct me if I was wrong, but he's not. Right. That, all, that they needed to do two-factor authentication to protect themselves, and uh, they got hacked because they thought it was annoying. Two-factor authentication is annoying. It is annoying. They're not wrong there, but it's one of the necessary evils. Yes, because now, even if a hacker found figured out your password by brute force even if they've gone through that whole thing now they actually have to have a physical piece of your property to access your uh to fully access your database so some examples of two-factor authentication google authenticator is how all of your exchanges should be hooked up uh do not use two-factor authentication that is hooked to your cell phone if you can help it uh, some sites don't give you another option. It, it can be hooked to your cell phone as long as it's through the Google app. But it can't be hooked to your cell phone number is what I mean. Because your cell phone number can be spoofed. So somebody could spoof your cell phone number and have a 2FA code sent to them. So something like Authy, which uses your um, uses your cell phone number, is not as secure as a Google Authenticator. Google Authenticator, if you lose your phone, you have to go through a huge pain-in-the-ass process of resetting all of your two-factor authentications and it takes weeks and uh, a hacker just would not be able to get that done without you knowing about it with the with you and they would have to have access to your email which is also going to have two-factor authentication so your email if you're using gmail the two-factor authentication and you have an android phone is as easy as pressing okay yeah that's me so it pops up like you log in your email it pops up on your phone immediately you press the yes button and you're good to go and that is that is secure and, and very difficult to spoof. So, yep. The only other thing that I wanted to add to that is, is just basically the idea of what a password is was a little bit off to me. And I, I was using some bad passwords for a very long time. But, you know, the one thing that did change my mind a little bit was this story Brent was telling us about horse battery, uh, correct horse battery staple. And, the the one thing that I just want to make sure the listeners fully understand, the four random words that are strung together, it really does just astronomically create a, such a difficult path to hack and even predict. You know, if you if you think about all of the lowercase letters, that's 26 characters. The capital letters is another 26 characters. The numbers, the symbols, I mean, that, that's another you know, 18, maybe more, everything adds up. So let's just say there's 75 characters per point. If your password is 25 characters long, then that is the point that 
every one of those is going to have that many options and limiting the ability for a hacker to narrow down those options easily is what gets people in the most trouble. Right. And and again, you're saying 26, 76, you're giving these numbers. But if you're using a word, you're talking about thousands. If you're using a common word, you're talking about 2,000 and change different combinations. No, no, no. no. I, I was meaning for – so let's say the word correct. That represents seven of the characters of the password. But because we have a 25-word password, they have to guess up to 25 of the characters. So – if, let's say, if you're trying to guess a number password, you might guess all the zeros and then a one. You might guess all the zeros and a two. You might guess all the zeros and a three. But when it's 70 options instead of 10 per line or per character space, and then you make that 25 characters, well, now, obviously, you can see every character you're at. It, I'm, I'm using the number 70 as an example of how many different things qualify as a lowercase capital letter or, you know, special symbol number, all whatever, however many of those combine to be ha- having 70 options instead of, you know, a few makes your password way safer. Yeah. And when we're saying that there's thousands of words to choose from, you're picking four of them. That is that's showing the entropy. But if they are actually random letters that don't go together, one, that's going to be a really hard password to remember. But two, then that makes it even more secure if they're not actually words. That's why all your seed phrases are words. That's why there's 12 words. Like the, I, it is impossible to brute force 12 words. Like you just can't do it. So that is the most secure way. And then we're going to, we'll talk a little bit about more about passwords. Uh, and well, whatever. All right. You, you'll hear Mike's going to transition. <laughs> so. Uh, one of the things that, that I used to do for sure um, for a while b- before we started this podcast, actually, was I used every password the same on most of the sites, even though it was a complex password. It was the complex password that I could use. So why don't you give us some of the alternatives and the easy ways that you taught me, you know, six months ago, and you can teach the listeners just some ways that you can make your password different on every site, but in a way that you can remember. Okay, so... There are a couple of secure ways that you can do this. That one is more secure than the other, but it again, there's the annoyance factor. So I'm going to give the less secure way that is still possibly good enough. And that is using an algorithm to basically use a similar password on all sites. So, but you're going to use an algorithm based on the website you're using. So let's say we're going back to our correct horse battery staple, and that is our algorithm. Let's say we're going to access Amazon.com. So now we have to change this password so that it is unique to Amazon.com, but also is something we can remember and know how to type in if we're going to Amazon.com. So correct horse battery staple, one easy thing to do would be to just add an A on the end for the first letter of the website. But that... If a hacker got that and they understood what you were doing, they would be able to guess forward. So you would need to add, again, more layers of entropy. So I I don't know what to tell you as far as how to pick an algorithm for this, but the more complex yet easiest to remember that you can do would be best. So let's say Amazon is one, two, three, four, A-M-A-Z-O-N, six letters. So you capitalize the sixth letter in in this passphrase now. And you also add the last letter of the website on the front and the first letter on the end. So now you've got N correct with the C capitalized horse battery staple um, and then A at the end. So you've got you've, now you've got your password algorithm. And unless somebody's inside your head to understand what you're doing, that means that when they get that password, they're not going to be able to just easily try it on a new site. It's not going to work. And they you're going to need to now figure out what the algorithm is or just give up and take that one password that you hacked and that's it. Another way to think about this is create some variables in the password. Very specifically, I would even recommend in your brain using an X or a Y or whatever you think of as a variable. And you just assign a characteristic to that variable. So what Brent used as an example was the last letter of the website. And so the N we could put on the front and the first letter, we could, the A we could put in the back. If I had the correct battery staple, whatever, and 
I add an N to the front and an A to the back for Amazon, that's going to have no impact on a hacker, but it's going to tell me exactly what this password's for or where, the, or reasonably where this is for, because it, I know it starts with an A and ends with an N. So yeah, there's lots of ways that you could do this, but you know, I think picking something mundane is better because it's going to be easier to remember something in the front, something in the back, or, you know, you could use the first three letters of the website in the back in the first the last three letters in the front, which even if you have a five word website is going to overlap a letter, that's going to be extra confusing. Just create something you can remember. Yeah. So that is the option that doesn't require a password manager. That means that you're going to be keeping all these in your head. So that's one way. Modify your passphrase with an algorithm for every website that you go to. The, the final way that is, in my opinion, the best is the truly random password generator so like we said before we use four different words that's you know that's got it's got a lot of entropy it's easy to remember that's fine but if you just make a 26 digit completely random password that doesn't conform to words then that looks more like a, a private key you're saying like a yeah. really complex one right exactly nobody's cracking that and if they do happen to crack it they're certainly not cracking anything else so how do you accomplish this? You have to use a password manager. You have to use one of the the more popular password managers that basically generates these passwords for you for every website. And this is what I've chosen to do with my own security is use a password manager and generate random huge passwords for every site that you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to get into any of these sites myself unless I had my password manager. I use Bitwarden. There are multiple options for password managers. So LastPass is the most popular password manager that many, many people have had. It is a pretty seamless user experience. It uh, it was what I used before I got interested in open source software and looked at things. It's not open source. So the general consensus is for most users, it's fine. LastPass will work. If you like LastPass and you're using it, it's hard to come up with a reason to change it. Now, there are a couple of rumblings about different exploits and the like in in the past, basically like they say, oh, we told LastPass about this security flaw and they took six months to change it kind of thing. Look those up, do your own research on that. I decided to switch to Bitwarden because it was open source and from what I was reading was slightly more secure than LastPass. It's integrated with Brave, so I can use it on my desktop when I'm using Brave. It also has an extension for Firefox and Chrome, so it, it, it hits all the, the different browsers that I use. And if you want to go once, you know, the, the front and back end are both open source. So they're, they're showing you what they're doing, but they do have to use some sort of cloud to hold the passwords. So in theory, there could be an attack vector there. And I've used that term attack vector. I think I had it down later in the outline to define, but I just yeah. want to say attack vector is just a way that somebody could go at to get your information. So an attack vector might be, you know, going over to your physical computer and seeing your sticky note that has your password on it, which you'll see in a lot of offices with like older people that don't care about computers. And they're like, ah, I'll just put my password right here. And it's just sitting there and you can just walk into a, a firm, get somebody's password off their computer and you're good. An attack vector may be a phishing scam. They might email you and ask you for a password, that kind of thing. So we'll go, we'll go into more of those later, but I've used the term attack vector. I just wanted to clarify that. Finally, KeePass, uh, K-E-E-P-A-S-S, is supposed to be even better, uh, but it is a very mo much more difficult user experience. They use both a master password and a cryptographic key that you have to like store on a USB drive or something like that so that you basically have a private key to access your passwords that you need to, that you need to use. So uh, they're supposedly the ultimate in protection. From what I understand, unless you are really in a spot where you need to protect yourself, your your primary target, you probably don't need this. But if you're setting one up from scratch, maybe it will behoove you to learn KeePass and do it that way. Now, now for your password manager, this is super important. You need to have a very, very, very good password for your password manager. And it needs to be linked to an email that you have never used anywhere else ever. So... Create an email that has nothing to do with you. Like, for instance, if I made one called Skinny Cow, you would not think that it has anything to do with me. 
and and never email anybody from it. Never do anything other than sign up for Bitwarden or LastPass or whatever. And that's it. That's the only thing that that email is there for. It's literally a dummy email account that only has one purpose. Yes, with two-factor authentication. And the that way, if you ever forgot your really difficult password that you have created or passphrase that you've created, then you can break into it here. So um, how are you going to create an awesome passphrase? I don't know. Like we said before, you, you can do the four words. Um, you can go further than that. I've gone way further than that. Many people also have uh, one, one that I read during my research was the person had like memorized different speeches over the course of their life or, or like movie lines. And they took like the first letter of each word of the movie lines and created something out of that. So that's, uh, that's interesting, but basically anything that you wouldn't that a hacker wouldn't think about is good. The random, more random, the better. And it's going to be annoying to put this in every time you log on to your computer and go into your little extension. You have to put in this long password. I I type it in incorrectly all the time, and I'm like, God, you know, it takes me three or four tries because it's so ridiculous. But you can protect yourself that way. You know, the, again, it's going to be very difficult to protect yourself if you are being actively targeted by a hacker. But this is ways to mitigate it and make sure you're not the low hanging fruit that they want to target. So, you know, if you're going to if you're going to be that guy that posted his social security number on the side of a car and said, fuck you, you can't get me and <laughs> and see. Is that and, a real story? Yeah. There was a guy who ran like Jesus. some sort of security site or whatever it was basically like an identity theft protection firm and in order to like say that he was the best he put his social security number on a truck and started driving around with it and he's like go ahead try and hack me and he was hacked like 18 times and his identity was constantly (laughs) stolen so look we've said this a lot man there are people a lot smarter than you in this space in crypto in tech I mean, you have to respect the ability of some of these programmers, these hackers. It's it's so much stronger than what we do on a regular basis. And Brent, even as an example, is significantly better than I am. And he and I'm significantly better than most people. And we know that we have to respect what it is that can happen. Yeah, I'm constantly looking for ways to improve my security. Uh, and, and I pass them on when I find them. There, uh, there was a three-day period where I switched from LastPass to Bitwarden and changed every password that I ever had because I was uncomfortable with something that might have been an exploit. And I, I changed every password that I ever had. I, and when I say that, I mean, it took me like three days of 12 hours a day because it's not easy to just change these. So it was a very – it was a harrowing experience. These guys were like making fun of me like, damn, you're still changing those passwords? Like – but yeah, it takes a, it takes a long time and, uh, and you should definitely like randomly update them every now and then. So again, the passwords are becoming more and more important in your digital life. Passphrases, passphrases. So there's a link in the description and in the show notes. Passphrases is how you should be thinking about the stuff. I keep saying passwords because I'm not thinking about it properly, but it's a, it's a video where Edward Snowden is talking to, uh, John Oliver and, and, and it's really funny because John Oliver is like going back and forth with him about passwords and being funny. But it does get the point across. Like Edward Snowden explains to him why you need to be thinking in, in forms of past, past phrases instead of words. Definitely, definitely somebody that has been attacked at every vector on it over the course of their life is uh yeah and and that's a good little transition here because we're going to get a little bit more into attack vectors a little bit into social engineering here so brent what exactly are they trying to do to attack us in other ways so this has been one of this attack vector is trying to brute force your password there are plenty of other ways that are a lot easier for somebody to get access to what you have and uh that is Again, I, I want to say attack vectors are like any way that they can attack you. So we're going to go over some of these. Social engineering. Mike just mentioned it. Social engineering is actually probably the most successful way to hack somebody. Social engineering is damn near asking somebody for their password. I mean, you're doing it in such a way that they don't know that you're asking. But a, an old rudimentary example of, of social engineering would be you know, just calling up a company and saying, hey, this is Bob from HR. Um, I can't seem to figure out how to log in to my 
uh, to the Wi-Fi, can you give me the Wi-Fi password? Oh, and, and now, as long as you're convincing and you make it make sense, they will give you the password to their Wi-Fi. It, it gets even crazier. There are firms out there that will try to penetrate a company or a, a firm and try to socially engineer an attack on them. So, and, and there's firms doing it because people are doing it. So let's, if you walk into a, a big business with a suit and you look important, you can use that to get access to so many things. Now, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here because I've done this. Uh, not necessarily on, not necessarily planned, but I have done social engineering hacks before in my life. And we, we lost Mike. Stories. He had to, <laughs> my, my, Mike's, Mike's back, but he had to like walk around uh, and fix the sunlight destroying him. So, <laughs> yeah, there was, yeah, it's, uh, it's not quite 8 a.m. here in Colorado yet, but that sun was sneaking up over the mountains and caught me by surprise for the recording. Yeah. So anyway, I was, uh, I was working at a casino called Gulfstream Park at the time. I wasn't on the clock yet. I was there a little bit early because I was eating at one of the restaurants, but I had my suit on. And I, I was a, uh, you know, I was in like a floor person position. And by the way, that place is a joke. Don't ever go there. But, um, <laughs> I was, I was in a suit and I had heard there was a food conference going on in one of our big areas. And <laughs> I'm like, well, like what kind of food conference? And literally the biggest food brands over across the United States had come for this conference. And, I didn't expect that because Gulfstream is kind of like this little shithole in the corner of of uh, South Florida, but they have a it's really, a lot of things. It is not a shithole. No, it that, is a lot of things. The poker room's a shithole. That it's just it's like really not shoehorned. Oh, it, you haven't been there. It's like shoehorned in the back. The tables have fallen been apart. There? Okay, not lately. I don't know. It's it's it hasn't changed in the last fifteen years. But the rest of the property is really nice. So my bubble was that I was I was working in that poker room where like. You know, they didn't have AC for a week and stuff. Like, it was just really bad. And so I had this, like, image of Gulfstream Park just being, like, you know, kind of a joke. But the rest of that property is super nice. So I didn't think about this kind of stuff. But they had this uh, this big conference there. And I find out that it's, like, all kinds of food. And I was there to eat. So I just walked right up. I gave the security guard a nod in my suit. And just walk right past him, right into the into the place. I found out it was uh, it was either invite only or you had to pay three hundred dollars for a ticket to get into this show. And I started going around trying all kinds of foods that these companies were either uh, testing or were just releasing. I was trying flavors of Cheez Its that never ended up existing, but I was trying them at this. All I did was nod to the guy and walk in, and I looked important. And I was in a suit. I didn't even have my badge on. So it's not like he thought that I belonged there. <laughs> I just walk right on by him. And that is an example of social engineering. I penetrated that I think, food conference and <laughs> ate like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and that's a great story. And I think this applies a lot more to life in general in the sense that anytime you're in a situation that might make you uncomfortable, like I like to think to myself, like, how would this look if it were easy? And when I do that, if you just take the most confident route, guess what? You just get treated like you belong. I mean, I, I don't know if I should admit this on the podcast or not, but I had a fake ID for like four years and I pretty much never got carded with it because after you had a fake ID for a year and you've used it for a year, guess what? You don't feel like you have a fake ID anymore. You feel like you have a real ID. So I literally lived my you know college years just having an ID that I believed was good enough and it was me and like it never really backfired because I was always entering confidently whether it was a nightclub or a bar whatever it was if you walk like you've been there before then people just like treat you as if you belong yeah it it, it happens there's there's an entire subreddit for this that I like to read it's called act like you belong and it's just all these stories about people doing this but but really that is what social engineering you gotta go subscribe to. to that now so so social engineering isn't just act like you belong. It's like you get a you get a, here's a, an actual example of a scam that gets you. You get a phone call from your bank and they say, "Hey, we're just confirming some of the recent transactions that you made. We saw some suspicious activity on your account, which has happened before." So they say, "Okay," uh, and they say, "Can you tell us the last couple of transactions that you did?" Instead of what your bank will actually do, which is 
have you, did you do this transaction? Did you do this transaction? Right. And so now they'll get that information of the transactions that you just did so that they could answer those questions when they call in to spoof who you are. Because one of the, when you call your bank and you're like, oh, I don't really have that information. They're like, okay, well, what about this information? Then you tell them and you're like, they're like, all right, what are your last three transactions? And then you tell them and they're like, okay, it's you. So they may also say, what are the last four of your social? Uh, they, they're not going to straight up be like, what is your card number? Because they're going to know that you know that that's not something you should ask. But they will ask a lot of random information. And the easiest thing, way to protect yourself from that attack vector, that social engineering, is don't talk to your bank when they call you. Call them back. So hang up. Call them back and say, hey, I just got a call. Wanted to make sure it was from you. Uh, yes, I did these transactions. Here's what's happening. It is really annoying when your card gets shut down because you're on vacation. It happens to me constantly because I refuse to, like, not refuse, but I just don't think to call banks before I go somewhere. Right. Who remembers something so mundane <laughs> yeah and and i think some of my banks caught into the fact that i travel a lot so they don't shut down as much but it's definitely like embarrassing slash annoying when your card comes back to client and they're like, and you're like no no, no I, I swear it's just my bank turning off because i'm traveling because that's the excuse everybody uses even if they don't have any money so uh, another example is when you're this happened i'm sure this has happened to your grandparents they probably told you about this microsoft calls them and says that they're having a problem with their computer and they need help so they'll say, hey, listen, uh, your Windows computer isn't working, right? Somebody's attacked you. We need to help you. Like, this is Bob from Microsoft, and they do a social engineer attack that way. Why? Do, how do they know that you use Windows? Well, most people use Windows, but realize that these people are building an online profile of you at all times. So there is a database somewhere that has your name in it, and it says what kind of operating system you use, where you use it. And they're going to target people who are older with this particular scam. So, uh, you know, I've, I've prepped my grandparents for stuff like this, but they have, uh, they almost fell for a, uh, a scam where somebody called and pretended to be my brother. And they do it in such a way, like, almost like a psychic does, where they get you to, to tell them the information. So they call up and they say, Hey, I'm in jail. It's your grandson. And, and they say, Sean and ask, you know, Hey, and he's like, yeah, it's Sean. And they talk like it, they talk really low and they it, they garble it and they say, hey, you need to talk to the cop. And then they pass the phone off to somebody so that they don't figure out that the voice really isn't them. And my, when this happened to my grandparents, they were convinced that they had been called by my brother. And luckily they didn't. My grandpa was smart enough to say, I'm going to drive down to the jail and go get him. And and then I finally call my brother and he's, I'm like, oh, hey, you're not in jail. He's like, what? No. <laughs> And, and yeah, so it turns out the, that is a real thing. So, and again, they were both convinced that they had spoken to him. Brent, how, <laughs> how quickly did you use that as an excuse the next time you messed up something? You're just like, well, sorry, I was in jail. You know, that must have been a fake phone call. That was something <laughs> going on. Like, yeah, we had told, what, totally. no, who me? No, I was never in jail. Yeah, no, that was ha- hackers, <laughs> Russian hackers, yeah. <laughs> Russian hackers. They were just messing with you. All right. So, um, what, so that's social engineering. Social engineering is definitely real and it's kind of fun to watch social engineering firms. Sometimes they'll live stream trying to break, trying to break the defenses of a, of a big security risk or whatever. And it's kind of cool to, to see. Interesting. Um, malware. Malware is another attack vector that is things getting installed on your computer, like key loggers, which will just, they they basically log every keystroke you make. They they get in there a lot of times when you're using some of the seedier websites. Uh, when you're trying to stream, like oh, I don't want to pay for this movie. I'm going to go stream it on wherever, and you have to close like four boxes of ads before you get to the movie. Like those are the ones that are trying to inject malware into your computer. Uh, if you're on an Android phone and you get the pop up that says your Android phone needs to be updated, that's another way they're trying to get it in there. So. How do you protect yourself against stuff like this? Uh, you need to have you need to have protection and you need to have uh, shields. So Brave browser builds shields into how it was developed. But if you don't have Brave uBlock Origin, it's probably the best thing that you can do. It uh, it's an ad blocker. You can whitelist the sites that you still want to support and see the ads and help them generate the ad revenue. But it definitely helps with uh, with any of the possible malware attacks. Use the program Malwarebytes, uh, B-Y-T-E-S, to scan yourself. They are pretty much the best in the business, and they're free. Now, they're, they're not 
free to actively monitor you, but you can check and see if you've got anything going on on your computer that you didn't know about. And then as you're getting more and more into the online space, especially into crypto, especially if you are somebody who has a crypto podcast that might think that you're a target, Bitdefender is probably a the best uh, antivirus threat blocking, malware blocking program that you can get. It's costly. I think it's something like 100 bucks a year, but it is... Uh, Actually, I'm making that number up. I, don't, I know it. I know I looked into it and it was too much, but it, it was a lot of money. And if I was rich, I would be. De- I would definitely use it. But I'm poor, so so all all of you hackers out there are like, you know what? I'm gonna hack Brent. <laughs> Good luck. Have fun. Uh, there's thanks to uh, the current market cycle. There's not much left anyway. So that's just another way. Uh, that's the old classic virus way. Not as easy for people to get viruses onto things anymore, especially with like Apple devices and stuff like that. So big data breaches are another way that somebody could attack you. Like I said, people are building a profile of you on these sites and they trade this information. So uh, there, there's, pro- there's a hacker out there that has information on me and they're, and, and they're building a profile on me for maybe a possible attack one day. I'm not making it easy, but if anyone targeted me, they would get me. So same thing with you. Like you have to protect yourself as much as you can. So big sites often will have breaches there's a website where you can check to see if you've uh, your information's been breached it's something funny ah have i been pwned.com so pwned <laughs> is p w n e d for those of you noobs that don't know what it is and you can go in there and just type in your email and see if it has ever been part of a breach so i'm just gonna type mine in now so basically i think this site has bought the uh has bought the data list or something on sites that have been breached and i put in uh my my main email and it said good news is not found but let's put in my spam email and see sexy stud thing at aol.com there we go has that I knew one he was gonna slip that in there <laughs> i sexy stud thing at aol.com has been pwned on nine different breach sites and <laughs> uh and found one paste so it was breached on anti-public combo list exploit.in imesh netteller there we go that's a throwback throwback oh, Thursday. man uh myspace it was breached on myspace uh, let's see i got onliner spam bot permablanc river city media spam list trick spam botnet so yeah i got i got, got all kinds of different places sexy stuff thing at aol.com was like my it was my aol screen name made it when i was like 10 or 11 and i just put that into anything that asks me for an email that i know i don't give a shit if them asking for me for an email so anytime i buy clothes and they're like can we have your email address i love deadpanning that to the to the to the person so my spam email has only been pwned one time which is really surprising and it was pwned by trillion do you remember that oh trillion yeah trillion used to like it united like the like icqs and and yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, 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 you could message a bunch of different programs to the same program. Interesting. Uh, I expected that to be a little more, but I'm glad it's not. Yeah, no, it's and this is not exhaustive, but it's a good way to check. And and if you have been pwned, you should absolutely be taking everything that we said into account and get that go fix that immediately. I mean, sites as big as Yahoo have been breached, so like it's it's definitely out there. Public networks are another attack vector. I mean, people, it, when you're using like Wi-Fi and Starbucks, if if they're now, I think Starbucks uses Google, so they're probably okay. But if your random coffee shop isn't using an encrypted network, anyone can grab your info using a man in the middle attack. So this is what VPNs are for. Now, people are going to tell you they use VPNs so they can see cooler stuff on Netflix or uh, they can play online poker in America or whatever the case. There's a lot of kind of nefarious reasons that you would have a vpn but a vpn stands for virtual private network and what it is is you are not sending your data directly to the internet you're sending it to a group of virtual servers first and then they're sending it out there so it you can't get hit with a man in the middle attack vpns make it secure from you to the vpn server if you are in a public wi-fi you absolutely need to have vpns on and if you ask, when I said before, you ask hackers, the number one thing that you can do to protect yourself, it's two-factor authentication. The number two thing is VPN in private, in public areas. So you need to be using a VPN whenever you're in the public areas. So which VPN should you get? I don't know. There are a million of them out there. And 
There's a website uh, called thatoneprivacysite.net. They have an entire section on the VPNs and which ones you should use. Now, I ended up buying a lifetime subscription to Winscribe, and I actually don't think it's that great because now most paid-for VPNs are going to be fine for your purposes and why you need them. So going to the Starbucks or what have you, um, you're only going to need you're only going to need one of the paid VPN services. Now, why am I saying paid? Why can't you just do one of the free ones, right? Because I'm saying that I have Winscribe. It might not be one of the best, but it is paid. If you're not paying for it, they need to be getting money from somewhere. They're running servers and they're actively doing something. So you need to realize that if they're paying, if you're not paying them, then something is paying them. Somebody is paying them. So, How are they getting their money? Are they getting their money by selling your information? Are they getting their money by being, or are they getting their end by being written by a government? I don't know, but you want to make sure your incentives are aligned with the VPN. Now, does that mean people could, could still do bad things with the VPN that you're paying for? Yeah, but check the, uh, that one privacy site. They will show you the pros and cons of each VPN. Mine, for instance, uh, Winscribe. Uh, is in a five eyes country, which means uh, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the UK and the U S they share privacy information amongst themselves. All intelligence is shared amongst those five countries and they uh, have like a pact on that. So there's like a 14 eyes as well. um, But that's not either one's not particularly secure. Also, there is no warrant canary on the Winscribe site. So the warrant canary is this, statement on a website that says we have never been subpoenaed by the by the, any government agency etc cetera, etc cetera. they basically say they've never responded to a subpoena and they're not allowed to say we just got subpoenaed when they get subpoenaed but they can take that down from their website so for instance reddit a couple of years ago very famously had that up for the longest time and they pulled it down so your information on reddit isn't as private as it once was so be very careful on any, any of these VPNs that you're using that don't have the warrant canary on their website. Winscribe, for instance, does not. So, you know, what, which VPN you choose, how much you choose to spend on it, why you choose that VPN is going to be related to what online activity you're doing. So, um, you know, I hate the phrase, I've got nothing to hide, so I don't need this privacy. Um, but it really kind of applies in your choice of what you're doing. Uh, the, the list of nefarious things I do online is very, is next to nothing. I mean, it's all porn related and it's not illegal porn. So like there's, there's nothing nefarious about watching porn. It's just a matter of whether I want, you know, my, my ISP to know what I'm watching. But if you are doing more things that you would want more privacy from, then you need to be very careful about which VPNs you go with, but you should have one. Don't use, again, don't use the free ones like Ola used to be one that everybody used. It was a Chrome extension and they literally were taking control of people's computers at one point, if I understand correctly. So never, you know, they used to be a great way to cheat Netflix into thinking you were in a different country so you could watch different videos. Netflix is onto that, by the way, and it's a violation of their terms. So if you, if you start VPNing on net to get Netflix to give you more videos, you better be using a good one. What is the upside of this? I don't understand. Like they there's restricted movies or videos in different places and like you care that much that you'd want to go get them? Well, every country has different uh libraries on Netflix. So, like for instance, the Star Trek series, uh Star Trek Discovery is a very good series in the United States. It's restricted to the CBS streaming service, so you have to pay $10 a month for CBS All Access. And they release episodes every Monday. Everywhere else in the world, they release the episodes every Monday or Tuesday or whatever on Netflix. So you don't have to pay any extra and you can just go on Netflix and use them. So it's just and, you know, if you if you happen to be in another country and log on to Netflix, you'll see that there's a lot of video, a lot of movies that you're not used to having in your library that are there. So, yeah, that used to be a cute thing to do to change your location via VPN. But Netflix got that and they'll literally just ban your account if they think you're doing it. So don't. You don't want to give up Netflix, so don't try it. I'm surprised you haven't been banned by Netflix yet, Brent. <laughs> I, I'm doing it on the up and up, man. I, I love Netflix. There's no... I, I've loved Netflix since, bef- you know, the video days, since, since the DVD yeah. days. So uh, I'm not going to do anything. Brent was an early adopter of Netflix, for sure. 
All right, so that's uh, that's basically security in as small of a nutshell as we can do. There's no way to talk about security without mentioning privacy, which is why we just spoke about VPNs for a while. Totally all good. Yeah, but you know, like like you said, we we discussed the VPNs for a reason. And like I said, when we first started this episode, the, the, we were going to touch on some privacy issues along with the security. So which parts of the privacy concern do you think apply most here, Brent? All right. So privacy is super important in this day and age. You have to be very careful of where your data is going. Your data is your product. So sites like Facebook, Google, everybody like that are selling your data and leveraging it. Whether they're doing that with correct morals or not is up to each person to decide. For instance, I've decided that Facebook is not doing the right thing with my data, but I'm okay with Google because they seem to be fine. But everybody, <laughs> I said, okay, with Google and my phone just <laughs> did the thing. I heard that. All right, sorry. Um, I'm totally okay with some things having access to my privacy. But I'm being very conscious of it and I'm changing some things. So it's very difficult to adequately cover privacy without its own dedicated episode. Honestly, I'm not it, I'm not an expert on anything that we talk about, but it would. it's even harder to talk about privacy because I don't understand the underlying reasons the that technology a lot of these, involved yeah. is very difficult yeah the the points of failure the attack vectors that are available are just not necessarily at the forefront of our minds yeah so i'm gonna go over some options to some of the things that you use many of these i got from privacytools.io uh, a website where you can go and compare different uh Let's, you know you can go to compare uh, different things what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> we just we just had a fort a four attempt thing where I, I thought you were pausing for me to get in there. So I tried to get in and the second I tried to get in, you went back to starting and then we did it four times. So I apologize for that. We did that four way nope. stop thing where the cars yes. are like, all right, I'm going, nope, nope. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, I was actually going to recommend a little bit of a ping pong format for this where I'll, I'll give you the topics and, and you can kind of just go into them a little bit. All right. So why don't you we say start with the, with the things browsers. that you might use that are like not private if you have them. All right, that's fair enough. All right. So there's a lot of browsers out there. Um, I hope you're not using Internet Explorer. I personally use some combination of Firefox and Chrome. Brent, what do you recommend? All right. So Internet Explorer has is called Edge now, believe it or not. It's been so long since you've used it that you didn't know they rebranded it. And they at first they were like acting like they did a good job, but the the community is still not on board with that. Edge stinks. Chrome actually has some very good security, just not privacy. You're giving up a lot of privacy to use Chrome, but it does have pretty much the best security that that everybody says. Firefox has really come back in the in recent years. So my kind of browser evolution was I switched to Firefox a long time ago. And then switch to Chrome as it became easier and easier to integrate everything I was doing into Chrome, right? Well, now I've started to go the other direction. I tend to default to Firefox because Firefox has a greater security, uh, privacy security suite. The main thing that makes me love Firefox is the Facebook container. Now, there's two things. You can use the Facebook container, which just automatically, anytime you go to Facebook, puts Facebook in its own contained environment so it cannot get any of the other information that you're browsing with so they can't glean that metadata that they were trying to get that they sold to cambridge analytica and that they used to get you know donald trump elected so it keeps your stuff in one little thing you can also use their multi-account containers which would do the same thing but it'd be a little bit more active so with the multi-account containers you have personal work banking shopping and facebook and then you would just keep your Facebook contained there, but you would have to remember to open a Facebook tab every time. The Facebook container extension is the best uh, best thing you can do for yourself with Firefox, with Facebook, if you're going to continue to use Facebook. Don't let them get access to all of that data. So uh, past that, though, the most secure browser is Tor. Uh, Brave is somewhere in the middle. Tor stands for the Onion browser. And they they call it the Onion browser because... When you're peeling an onion, you're getting a bunch of different layers off of it at every time. And as you're trying to peel it off, you're crying. Basically, uh, Tor wraps your browsing activity in strong encryption and then sends it to a bunch of other computers uh, that are connected to the same Tor network. 
before it actually starts to call on the websites and that kind of thing. So it is hard to track it down. One of the analogies that somebody had put for Tor in one of the subreddits that I was checking out is if you were passing notes in class and there were five of you in the class that understood the cipher to decrypt the note that you were passing, the note would look like gibberish to everybody else in that class and you wouldn't know where it, like you could get that note from A to B and only the people who understood how to look at it would, re- would be able to read it in the meantime. So that's kind of how that works. If you're using any of these, uh, the main browsers, make sure to use add-ons to help yourself. uBlock Origin is the best for ad blocking. And they actually actively have a counter in the corner that shows you how many trackers they're blocking. And I've, I'm surprised at some of the websites where that gets up to like a hundred. Now when I'm on a, when I'm on YouTube, that makes sense. But I didn't think Trello was so actively trying to track me. So very interesting. Um, there is a HTTPS everywhere basically forces any site that is not using HTTPS to use it. And if they don't have that as an option, you just won't access the website. But uh, HTTPS is the secure version of HTTP. Some other ones that I happen to use, Winscribe is the VPN that I use. I use uh, a service called Decentralize, E-Y-E-S, not I-Z-E. And those kind of help a little bit with, uh, you know, with the privacy concerns. So use those if you can and protect yourself. All right. So... You covered the browsers, the add-ons. Uh, let's go over to emails for a little bit. Um, I know that I use uh, Gmail, and I know that that's probably going to be very similar uh, to Chrome in that extent. But what else would you recommend? Right. So Gmail is basically what most people use. I think it's the number one email provider, right? For the most part, they're good. Again, Google has access to your privacy but has yet to be caught misusing it. That doesn't mean they're not misusing it, but they they have yet to be in a spot where they have misused it, right? So you can use Gmail. If you're using Gmail, make sure if you're a company, you're using G Suite. If you are um, a person, you're not storing any of your passwords in Google Drives. Uh, you are, <laughs> you're using... Um, AKA we did for a while. <laughs> yeah, listen, everybody's done it. Like when we first started right, the of podcast... Course. We, we, everybody thinks that that's an easy way, including me and Kareem actually was the one who was like, guys, what the hell are we doing here? We need to get this out of here. So we got that out of there pretty quickly. The uh, alternatives to your standard mail, which, you know, they can be read at the central servers at, um, at Google and the like would be proton mail, which is famously used by politicians. They, when they're trying to send mail that they think, you know, will automatically delete, Mailbox.org is another one that passes a lot of the tests and uh, Postio. All of these require some payment. So you would actually have to be paying for an email service if you want to protect your privacy a little bit more. All right. Well, the email part's pretty easy. Um, What do you do for search engines, though? So search engines, again, uh, Google.com is one that everybody uses. You'll notice a trend here, right? A lot of this stuff starts with Google. But of course, Google will uh, track you and, and tailor your results. Some, uh, some options that you can go where it won't be that way. DuckDuckGo is one. And SeerX, uh, just kind of like a Cirque's, like a weird way of spelling search. They are kind of coming up in popularity. Apparently, they're getting better results than DuckDuckGo. I have not tried it. I did try DuckDuckGo for a while. Yeah, I felt res- like you didn't. In- I, yeah, I felt like the results were kind of not. I, I guess almost like maybe the Google artificial intelligence is actually creating better search results for you in your history, and I felt like you weren't finding what you were looking for. Yes, Google's results are way better, unfortunately. So I gave these privacy options a try, and I went back. I went back to Google. I use Google now. I haven't tried CRX. I might try it. Uh, I'm willing to try new technology at all times. I pride myself on Every it. Hour. These guys hate me. 
the the podcast guys all the time. I'm like, hey guys, I found a new thing that we can do that is going to make our lives easier, and they're just like, no, it's. I'll not. tell a, a very real story of the podcast when we started, when we did like a couple of the videos. We always, you know, we would post a Google Hangouts link in our group chats, and then we'd all join it, and then just like any given day, Brett could just be like, oh hey guys, this is what we're doing today, and he's just gonna lo- like send us a new website we've never even talked about, we've never been to, and now Kareem and I have to figure out, okay, well. We have headphones. We got to make sure the inputs are right. We have the microphone. We got to make sure the outputs are right. And it's just, it, it's a mess. But I know that Brent does so much of the research on the back end that, in a way, he's, I'm outsourcing a lot of that work to him. So it's my responsibility. And, a, a, you know, we work in a business together. So I have to trust that Brent's doing an excellent job. And obviously, he's done a great job so far. So, uh, you know, I don't really expect uh, these search engines to, to stay ahead or, or to kind of like come up and creep up on Google in any way. I'm probably just going to stick with Google myself, but I'm willing to sacrifice a couple things for that. Yeah. It, again, if you are comfortable with people seeing with a company, seeing your Google searches, then stick with Google. Um, if you're, if you're not, then go with one of the, go with one of these browsers and, and Google things that way. <laughs> yeah. So I want to try CRX now that I've done this research and learned about it, but Right now, I'm just still using Google. Yep. What about uh, messaging platforms? So all the messaging platforms are pretty much bad. Uh, you know, even things like Telegram are not perfect. They have end-to-end encryption. The best one is Signal. Uh, Signal is supposed to be the best, but it, it requires the other person to have Signal to protect your privacy. But Facebook Messenger is uh, the worst. I try. I've got it deleted from my phone at least. And I keep my Facebook messaging contained to Facebook Messenger, so or, or in the Facebook container on Firefox. So, all right. And what about social networks, like you know, social media platforms or whatnot? Unsurprisingly, everybody is using Facebook. The only one that Google wasn't allowed, wasn't able to get control of. They tried real hard with Google Plus, and it's still there. They're trying to make it a thing. They they, they made people like integrate Google Plus on YouTube for a while and that kind of thing, but. It never was going to become. It never was going to become a thing. They they didn't. They needed to go about it when Facebook had the Cambridge breach, and then they might have had a shot. Yeah, they should have just blasted a new social network. Said, "Hey, we won't do this to you." Yeah, if they had just held it until then, they might have had a shot. I don't know, but uh, yeah, Diaspora is one of them. Friendica is another one. All the and uh, Mastodon, which is was actually mentioned when we did our interview with Glittery Gabby. Uh, one of the one of the models from Spank Chain, and they're they're all kind of like you host your own social network. So it's in, they're interesting. They're not something that the masses are ever going to pick up. So if you have a lot of tech savvy friends that you want to keep in contact with, and you don't want to see MLM spam or pictures of kids and stuff like that, you can go on these. But you're also not going to see like anything. You're going to see a lot of like, haha. When they said class, they meant go to school when i said class i meant what am i going to do to span i don't know i'm trying to use some programmer humor that i don't understand but uh, <laughs> uh that was humorous all right just not for the programmers <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> so again please use the facebook container if you're accessing facebook all right this one's a little touchy and i feel like we're not going to like the answer but operating systems is how we're going to try to wrap this up yeah in the end most people are using Windows and uh, and or um, the you know Apple operating system. I can't remember what the OS X, I guess. But turns out Windows might just ruin all the other measures that you take for privacy. Windows is just this giant leaking privacy thing, and if you're using Windows, none of the rest of this might matter. So some of the options: uh, Debian is a Linux-based uh, operating system. It's got some great privacy and Cubis OS, same thing. They're both Linux based. Um, Debian is one of the ones that you can install on a Raspberry Pi. So if you happen to be using one of those, I'd probably use Debian or Ra- I don't know what the privacy is like on Raz- Raspbian, which is the one that a lot of people will uh, install. But so that's it. That was a brief touch on those, I think. Yeah. I mean, we covered quite a bit in this episode. I think that's going to help everybody kind of get more aware of what the attack vectors are we've talked about that a lot more aware of what they're leaking out to certain companies and how they can protect themselves from hackers is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we wrap this up i just realized i didn't even mention 
I didn't even mention like a ledger. <laughs> we like we did this crypto podcast about security, and I didn't mention uh like a, like using a ledger. Well, we have a wallets one hundred and one. If anybody has any questions, we actually discussed the attack vector on that episode where they were take they were trying to get in touch with the chips that get installed on the ledgers. So yep. you could learn about that if you go back to that episode. Um, that might have been on a flagship, actually. Yeah, well, we talked about that well, on a flagship. If you're yeah. looking for that story, we'll we'll, uh, we'll try to figure out where it was. And is there anything else you want to touch on an overall general security and, no. and touches of privacy? Yeah, make sure you use a ledger. And if you want to buy one, the link is in the show notes because <laughs> ding, 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 ding. We've had we've had two people. Now we need to get like seven people or something before we can even withdraw the money. But like two people have used our uh, our code. So Brett, I have a, I have a really sad story for you. One of those was a personal friend of mine, and I just gave him the the podcast link because I was feeling generous. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not right, even a well. listener. <laughs> so one listener not even a listener one well, that's one, okay uh, hey, friend. that's fine that's fine you know we're not here to sell things yet so <laughs> <laughs> keep on listening download subscribe join our discord do all those fun things we request every episode this has been michael i was here with brent thanks for tuning in to the crypto basic podcast have a good one the members of the crypto basic podcast are not financial advisors They are idiots. Please don't take anything they say as financial advice. It's all for entertainment purposes only.